Hello everyone, welcome to Adventure Hour this week. I'm so glad that you all decided to join us. Um, she says as there are probably only a few few people in the, in the chat at the very, very beginning. Um, but that's all right. Hopefully we will put on a, a good show and those of you who maybe are listening to the podcast at the uh, at the uh, other end of, of this will uh, will uh, also uh, appreciate the wonderful live reading that's going to happen today. Now, before I introduce my lovely guests for today, I first want to give you guys a little bit of an intro into our Choose Your Own Adventure that we are going to be live reading slash arguing our way through today. And that is the Book of the Sun. So... Australia's first book of magic and ruthless occult games in Southport. Will you stop the Book of the Sun falling into the wrong hands or perish along the way? Your friend and confidant, Avramelin, the mage has summoned you to Southport, pleading for your aid in a matter he is unwilling to discuss over the phone. You're a magus. A freelance magician making your way in the half-world of magic and conspiracy. But now you've been caught up in the machinations of greater powers. Implacable foes surround you and your friend seeking to take what is yours and use it for their own foul ends. And worse, something ancient and powerful stirs in the broad water, shrugging off its eons old sleep. Will you battle the agents of evil or fall sway? to their spell. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited to be a Magus today and I am joined by the absolutely lovely author of this story, Benjamin Brown. Benjamin, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Emily. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I uh, am very excited about this story today. This is uh, definitely a firm favourite, uh, particularly on the Gold Coast. And then today we have stepping into the co-host shoes for Brett. Uh, we have Maureen Flynn, who is also a writer uh, based in Australia. Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. It's nice to be on Twitch. Hello. <laughs> and uh, really, really appreciate you stepping in for uh, Brett at such short notice. Thank you so much about that. But first, I would love to, um, I suppose, uh, get you uh, both, but let's start with Benjamin, get you to introduce um, yourself, uh, you know, your, your, your background, you know, what are you up to now? Um, so I'm Benjamin Brown. I'm a lapsed writer and English teacher. Uh, I sort of lived all over um <clears throat> i uh, i can't stand writing uh it's <clears throat> probably my my least favorite thing uh aside from conservatism but it is something i uh i, I have to do or i think my head would explode um these days i'm mostly content myself by uh starting projects and then abandoning them with a kind of vindictive satisfaction <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate that you didn't abandon this particular story uh, because I wouldn't have had the absolutely wonderful images of death in my head that uh, you could <laughs> end up with uh, at the end of this Choose Your Own Adventure. I mean, there are some victories as well, but I'm pretty sure your endings skew mainly towards death. Well, I mean, uh, all endings do, really. <laughs> like, that's, uh, it, it is, it is the, uh, the, the only true end for any of us. 
I've always uh, sort of felt as an outsider moving here that the Gold Coast is a very, very sunny, horrible place. And so uh, having that uh, sun, sand and fun veneer over uh, hideous, unknowable motives, um, ancient secrets and slumbering things of such enormous size and wickedness that we have ultimately no control or agency um, before their machinations. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can see that seedy underbelly in Queensland. It may be the humidity, <laughs> it may be the humidity that drives people to to that place. Um, <laughs> I, I think my mum said to me the other day, she still lives in, in Queensland, um, and uh, and she was like, I'm pretty sure it's 100% humidity today. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so it drives you to do very strange and wonderful things whereas i have moved to the complete polar opposite i am in one of the driest places in north america i have to run a humidifier 24 7 if i don't want to break out spontaneous blood noses so <laughs> which you know i hear drives people to other sorts of crazy things as well so you can't win um but thank you so much ben for for joining us i i honestly really appreciate it and as i said really appreciate it that you managed to uh that you that you managed to give us this absolutely awesome uh, uh choose your own adventure uh maureen i would love to uh have you introduce yourself to um the the audience tell us like what's your background what do you what do you write what are you doing now sure so um, I write speculative fiction, so fantasy, horror, and sci-fi, though predominantly fantasy um, for both young adult and adults. And then I also have written a crime novel and we're working on another crime novel next year. Um, and I'm also, the, the, probably the most recent project that I'm working on is a collaborative project with um, an author in France, which will be a steampunk adult fiction novel. And we're three quarters of the way through and have had many a stressful time trying to figure out how to collaborate with each other because we're on the opposite ends of the world and neither of us have done a collaborative project before as a whole novel and it's okay. been a really fun learning experience <laughs> nice okay so i'm i'm curious how did you like what was your method did you kind of because i've heard like two methods for collaboration right like so one is like you collaborate together on an outline and then you kind of like alternate chapters or one of you does one chapter one of you does another chapter and you're surprised about what happened go along um so definitely not the second option um so i've known um this author for a, a long time and we already knew before we started the collaboration that we thought about story in a fairly similar way though we've found out since that our process is actually quite different which has been interesting but um so we started with an outline that we collaborated on together and did the world building and had character documents that we we divided the characters up and did character sheets and then exchanged them over and then wrote, rewrote them. And same with the plot outline and the world building. And then we've had a lot of Zoom phone calls where we've been trying to figure out, wait a second, what are we doing with this random world building thing? Or how does this all fit together? Um, and then in terms of actually writing the first draft, which is what we're on now, um, we split up by quarter of the novel. So I did the first quarter, she did the second and third, and I'm about to start the fourth quarter from Monday. Um, and the reason that we divided it up that way rather than by chapter was because um, the story is set in old Sydney town at the start of the novel, but then it ends up in um, 19th century France. And so 
it was easier for me to start the story in Australia because obviously I live here and I have some historical context for old Sydney town that a French author does not have. And she had more context for setting up the French steampunk stuff because she lives in France. Um, so that's kind of why we went with that. Though this is going to be a series and we do think that for the next novel, it will be easier to probably do chapter by chapter based off what we're interested in writing about just because our process is quite different, we've realised yeah. this far. Is. It takes a little bit of trust as well, right? Because if you're not like keeping keeping track of like track changes, right, To it's it, it takes a bit of trust to be like, all right, I'm going to hand this to you and let you rework this novel or this character or whatever. Yeah, and I think like it's helped that we know each other really well because like last week, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, like last week was difficult because we were both just tired and frustrated with real life things and like I had a lot of work on and she had a lot of work on and it was just like we were getting so frustrated with communicating with each other. And I think it's trust, but it's also about communication, especially if you're not in the same country because there's a lot of things where we meant the same thing, but because of our wording being different and we weren't face to face to sort of see each other, we get tied up in knots over something that we actually both inherently agree with, but it was like the process to get there was different or how we framed it was slightly different or something. And it's like, ultimately, none of this matters really. It's just write, write the, the damn story and we'll worry about all this later because that's what editing is for and we'll get there. Um, and yeah, we, we just have had to quite a few times have like really frank conversations around like, okay, where are we going with this character? Like, how do, we, how do you feel about the character? How do I feel about the character? Like, what's troubling you about that character as they're written and can we work around it? Or is it like we actually need to renegotiate the character because you don't like the direction it's going in or I don't like the direction it's going in? Um, so I think there's a lot less control of the story, but it's kind of good in that you learn from each other's strengths of how to write. Um, and it means that the story can go in unexpected directions because we're both coming at it from different angles a lot of the time. No, very fair, very fair. Um, I know that I started a collaborative project with a friend of mine and we had very different ways of doing things. I liked to have things outlined and she much preferred to like have a general idea and go for it. Um, and we didn't, we haven't really finished that project at all. It kind of only got partway through and then kind of ground to a halt because of the um, differences in in that. Um, I hope we will revisit it one day, but um, for the moment, we still haven't worked out how it's going to work between us. I think. So that was why I was curious, right? Um, and I should say, I, I don't know whether this is weird to admit when you're, when you're on a stream, but Maureen was one of my uh, first, well, she was my first ever internet friend. Oh, no, that's not weird. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, also, I also wish to tell the listeners a story about us because it's possibly my most embarrassing memory, but I always affiliate it with you. But anyway. Um, I used to share that in public. It's pretty funny. So, you know, I'm always like a busy person, right? I, I can never sit still and I always get over involved in projects and then forget where I'm meant to be. And like, if I don't have my diary, like full of information, I can't remember anything. And one time, right, I'd organized a holiday to the Southern Highlands in New South Wales with some friends at the same time as I would promised Emily she could stay at my house at the same time as I said I'd volunteer for a writer's festival. And somehow I managed to make this work by bringing Emily on the holiday with my friends, <laughs> telling my friends we had to go to where the Writers' Festival was for the holiday, and then making Emily volunteer at the Writers' Festival. And that was how it all worked. This is true. true story. I'm sorry, Emily. 
that's that's kind of creative problem solving and it was like is, uh, really late <laughs> if, if that is the most embarrassing story of your life then i i you are blessed no it's, it's, it's only embarrassing in relation to emily because i didn't really know <laughs> I, I really didn't know her that well and it was like sorry emily like meet my random friends and now come to a writer's festival like <laughs> uh, in contrast uh an ex-girlfriend of mine flew me to New South Wales after knowing me for a month to go to her aunt's funeral. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Grim. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is an interesting first. It, it, uh, it's not a meet cute, but it's definitely a first interesting meeting, yes. <laughs> yeah. Subversive romance. Yeah, that's right. Um, how did you, I mean, like, so writing a choose your own adventure is a little bit weirder than writing like a, like a novel or a short story. How, did you find maybe that Ben, that was like, that suited your, your, I don't know how your brain's constructed. Like, how did you find that? Um, I, 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 one of the challenges I have with writing is, um, like this freewheeling massive ADHD that, uh, I've only recently started to uh, to manage with medication. So at the time, uh, when I when I when I wrote this, I was uh, I was really at my wits' end. I, I was trying everything: the Pomodoro method, uh, any app for hyper focus. And uh, when Story City came up, I what I did was I, I, I sat, after the pitch, I sat down with a bunch of index cards and just wrote ideas until i had a stack, mad stack of of index cards um multiple endings completely over prepared it would have been it would have been a choose your own adventure on the scale of the wheel of time <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so uh i i then uh took my revenge by uh savagely eliminating anything that i felt didn't fit with the uh, the mood I was going for, which was uh, significantly less bleak than my my usual writing. So I, I really tried to sort of cheer it up <laughs> as much as possible. And then I just sort of arranged those in, in, in like, a, it, it sort of looked like a ziggurat on my floor, like some madman in a, in a, in a monastic cell um, and, and, and fiddled around with it until I had something I could kind of wander through in my mind. Yeah, it was interesting. I haven't used the process since, but it really worked at the time. <laughs> there you go. Something to dredge up maybe when you're when you're wanting another project which you which you <laughs> may or may not abandon. That's fine, right? As creatives, <laughs> sometimes things work, sometimes they do not, and that is okay. <laughs> I feel like um, the the artwork from so so the the artist for this particular piece. Ken Best, I feel like the artwork did that great treading of the of the line that you were talking about as well, right? That kind of like very mm. bleak, dark, but at the same time, you know, you're generally when you're on the Gold Coast standing in a very sunny <laughs> beachside area mm. um, that you're, you're contrasting it against. Um, and I think he, he definitely got the mood right there. All right. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite cheerful, really. <laughs> So. You know, all of those bright uh, pop-ups in the uh, in the uh, lovely oranges and pieces there. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, so 
for this particular adventure, we are on the Gold Coast. We are in Southport on the Gold Coast. Gold Coast known for skyscrapers and beaches uh, mainly and uh, people who are probably far too tanned for their own good. Um, and, uh, and it's also where um, a lot of the uh, Australian film studios are. So I think like Thor was filmed on the Gold Coast and, and a whole bunch of other ones. Um, but um, here today, we are wizards in this particular scenario. We are protecting the Book of the Sun in this particular scenario. As you can see here, this is our first location. We have an absolutely delightful water feature here. Very fun. And if we look all the way up in this lovely Spanish style building, we have the tower that Ken has rendered here in this very moody, cloudy day, which actually matches the street view quite well. So um, we are here with our Book of the Sun. We are here with uh, Abramelin. Have I, am I saying am I saying that correctly? Ah, uh, yes, yes, you are. Abramelin. Okay, good. Um, and uh, and uh, let's uh, let's get started. So, um, does everyone want to, I suppose, partake in the reading? Does anyone just want to sit back and and watch and just argue the the directions? What are we feeling? I'm happy to read because I have no idea what's happening, so it'll be fun for me. Awesome, Benjamin. Uh, I'm I'm happy to read. I I'll, I'll participate. Uh, as as required. Okay, awesome. Right, so in our uh, first scene that we have here, um, we have Abramelin uh, as well as um, you as the uh, adventurer in this scenario. Um, I think that that's all we've kind of got for uh, um, the first chapter. So if you guys like, I can take on the role of narrator. If, um, say, Ben, you want to lend your um, deep husky voice to Abramelin, and uh, Maureen, if you would like to be our uh, magus for today. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. Sure. Perfecto. So uh, if we were standing... In Southport, this is what we would see on the app. We have the wonderful audio of uh, Kevin Powell there for anyone who decides to do it in person. But uh, for today, we have us, The Book of the Sun by Benjamin Brown. Built in the style of an old Spanish mission, the Guardian Angels Church looms blank-faced above you. The stained glass window stares out like a wide, cyclopedic eye. Beautiful. Look at that. Uh, cars drift down Scarborough Street and you check the time on your phone. You are a magician, able to perceive and manipulate the magical demimonde, which exists parallel to mundane reality. Not a bad gig if you've got the knack. You don't belong to any particular order, though you do have ties with one of them. The Ordo Templi Australis, a group of magicians dedicated to studying the unique magical phenomenon present on the Gold Coast. Your friend, Abramelin, a mentor and friend, contacted you last night and asked you to meet him here. The text is on your phone. Momentous events. Can't tell more. Say nothing. Come alone. Usual place. Usual time. Hey, even magicians use cell phones. You haven't seen Abramelin for months. He's 
eccentric, even for a magician, but he's always been there when you needed him and never asked anything in return. You wander up to the water feature and pass your hand through the streams, tracing patterns in the spray. You sense a presence behind you and turn to see a furtive looking man in a long coat stepping around the hedges. Abramelin, at last. Did you come alone? He asks, peering from behind round glasses and a long, crooked nose. His shoulders are hunched forward and he holds a large package wrapped in brown paper tied to his chest. Yes, of course. Why all the secrecy? He gestures for you to walk with him and you follow under the arch passageway beside the church, standing beneath the tall bell tower in relative privacy. Do you know what this is? He asks, handing you the brown paper package. You tear off the wrapping, revealing a leather brown book. It's, there's no title, just an embossed image of the sun on its cracked and faded cover. The book of the sun. You've only ever heard rumors. The first grimmery written in Australia by the convict magus, Johann Ackerman, transported centuries ago. You nod, afraid your voice might crack if you try to speak. Since we acquired Ackerman's text, we've been studying the prophecies. He tells of sacred sites, concentrations of magical en energy, which weaken the walls between our reality and the next. We've been hard at work marking out these places. You'll see them everywhere, painted over or marked with a statue. The uninitiated pass right by, all unsuspecting. Abramelin produces his phone and taps the screen, which begins to glow with a pale green light. Yeah, I'll give you access to our Lucerna network. We've established sanctuaries across the area, a security measure against those who seek to take the book from us. Your phone buzzes and emits a crackling static hum before fading back to silence. In the distance, you hear the roar of engines. He jumps at the sound and mutters. Oh no, so soon. He pushes the book back into your hands and says, Take this. Others have learned we hold the Book of the Sun, and I'd sooner you hold it than it fall into the wrong hands. Get to the Lucerna on Narang Street. I'll try and meet you there. Do you? Ignore his instructions and walk down Scarborough Street with your friend. There were lots of engines revving in, in, in incision. Never a good sign. Or do we take the book and go. Abramelin knows how to handle himself and he asked you to keep the book safe. So, T, what are we gonna do? Are we uh, gonna ignore his instructions and stick around and make sure Abramelin, you know, maybe doesn't get jumped or are we going to, you know, listen to our wise mentor and uh, turn tail? I'm all for taking the book and going. I agree <laughs> that he knows, I feel like he knows how to handle himself. And it's more chaotic. Yeah. That's what I feel this character would do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you are this character. You are the person. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're like, okay, he can handle himself. And, uh, you know, this Book of the Sun is pretty precious. We're taking off. What about you, uh, Benjamin? Any any thoughts there? I, uh, I mean, I feel... I have a vested interest in this and in that I know how the story can end. So I, uh, I, I hand over all authority. To <laughs> well, Look, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, 
Abramelia has lots of information that I don't at this point. And he seems pretty wise. And really, you know, if he's in danger, what am I going to do compared to him? I just think. Right. So, I mean, that seems like that seems like a perfectly natural outgrowth. Um, one of the one of the major decisions somebody would make. Hence, its inclusion. I um. I, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at the the absolute control that he has over his hair. Right, the design of his hair. He's got some clearly. He's got some uh, some artifacts in his pockets that are going to uh, keep him protected. And uh, and so I think that I agree with you, Maureen. He can handle himself. This looks like a very interesting and potentially deadly weapon. So uh, let's go for a look down to uh, Scarborough Street alone. We are going to head for the clock lamp. So this is where we are. Our clock lamp is going to be down the street. Let's have a look here. So if we have the TAFE right next to us, we're heading for Narang Street. So let's drag our little man down here. All right. So I'm pretty sure the clock tower is just there. Look at that. Isn't it gorgeous? That's the one. Yeah. Like this is this is like very crazy ornate. Um, clock tower there. I wonder what the story behind that is. Right, it's uh, Lucerna, uh, established by the Order Templi Australis. That's, it seems incongruous, but when you understand that it has uh, an occult significance, then suddenly it all makes sense. Of course, of course. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Uh, we have decided that we are going to be going to protect the Book of the Sun. Um, I think that it may be just all me in this one. <clears throat> okay. Narang Street, the clock lamp. There's a clock here, incongruous in the middle of the street, sprouting lamps like a crown. No one pays it any mind, despite its strangeness. It's a lucerna. A place of safety established by the Ordo Templi Australis, offering sanctuary to members of their order and, luckily for you, their allies. Checking over your shoulder for signs of a shoot, you settle down at the base and lay the glimmery across your knees. The Book of the Sun is an object of true power, containing the wisdom of an exiled master. You've read books of magic, learning the hard-won secrets of those who've gone before you, but you've never had to access something like this. The Goetia, Gnostic Scrolls, Cornelius Agrippa's four books, none of them hold up next to the rumoured shadow powder, power of Ackerman's magnum opus. You flip the book open and start reading. The pages are tight-packed with Ackerman's cramped handwriting, clumped in bunches around strange glyphs and magical signals. You don't have time for close study, but near the middle of the book you see a relatively simple incantation to enhance your second sight, heightening your perception of the unseen world. From the direction of Chinatown you hear shouts and cries, then the hissing buzz of a distant magic jewel. Poor Abramelin have met his match. You need to find something to help him. Fast. You chant the words, 
feeling the power course and flow through you, running like a golden thread tracing your veins, setting your nerves to spark and tingle. Now, Benjamin, do you want to try and give us a little chant there? Just, uh, you know, maybe just a little example? A ch uh, of a chant? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm afraid I don't have anything prepared. Uh, I, I could consult the scrolls, but uh, I, I would uh, I would imagine it would uh, be voiceless and unpronounceable, rendered only in the imagination of the audience. Oh, cop it. Fine. <laughs> you raise your hands above your head, holding the book high. The magic crackles from your hands, and the spell of a long dead mage comes to life on your lips completing itself as your spine arches and you throw your head back in the ecstasy of power. You sit back down, head spinning. Signs and languages unknown to you swim and blur that dissolve themselves in your eyes. The chatter of students at the tape drones for a moment like a swarm of flies and then becomes comprehensible. The murmuring of spirits bound in paint along the street chuckle, chuckle and whisper to you, pulsing auroras of energy warmth that blow across the sky, lighting the street with colours beyond the usual spectrum. The ghostly, half-seen images of thoughts hover over the heads of passers-by, flickering like a film through an old projector. There is something else. You become aware of a something deeper, slower than human or spirit, a pulsing fanfare of alien thoughts, strange and hungry. You can't make out individual words, but there are whispers or echoes of whispers drifting through your skull. This heavy presence is pu pulling at you, promising, well, you're not sure, but promising something. Do you use your new sense to help Abramelin? You're not sure how enhanced psychic perception will help in a fight, but perhaps it will give you the edge you need. Or do you follow the strange subliminal voice? Time is running out for Abramelin and you need to act fast to protect this book. Abramelin told you himself that the book mustn't fall into the wrong hands. Instincts tells you that the appearance of this powerful presence is no coincidence. So, Maureen, I'm putting this straight to you first. Do we help mm. Abramelin with our new psychic sense, or do we follow this strange subliminal voice, knowing how dark and deep the rivers of Benjamin's mind run? Look, just in general, and from reading various horror stories, I feel like you should never trust voices in your head that you don't understand. <laughs> like, ever. Isn't that like horror 101? Like, don't listen to weird voices in your head. They're probably an evil spirit or something. It's probably going to possess you. That's just what I. Okay. Uh huh. Do you have anything to add to that, Benjamin? I mean, uh, this is the first time I've returned to this since uh, since it was written, and my uh, my views on the supernatural have have shifted considerably. Um, <clears throat> but I, th I think it is generally wise to distrust uh, the echoes of whispers from an alien mind that. Uh, that shimmer through your head, half detected, promising something nameless. I, it's probably that's that's kind of like signing a contract without reading it, isn't it? You don't you don't feel flushed with the power of an ancient convict mage. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to you know help the help against the evils of I don't know everything. 
that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We'll go help Abramelin. He's a good mentor and friend. Clearly, he's in trouble. We've been hearing some screams, you know, that, that that's good. So um, Abramelin is, is, is inland a little bit more and our strange deep voice is kind of more towards the water. So let's go then uh, towards our uh, Chinatown. Um, and we are going to be helping Abramelin. So if I... One moment, one moment, one moment. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One of my, honestly, all-time favourite illustrations from any of the stories ever on Story City is this guy right here. Um, all right. We're going into Young Street, everyone. So, there's Meringue. We're heading into Young Street. We're going into Chinatown. We're going into the alleyways of Chinatown quite uh, and I believe this is our there's a there's a little tattoo parlor in one of the alleys that has a dragon on the wall I think that might that might be it over there or on the possibly on the other side but I I just just as an aside for any who who don't know um the goal Southport's Chinatown precinct is is a wonderful and apt metaphor for the Gold Coast at large, as um, the uh, Gold Coast City Council or the mayor or some developer decided that they would establish Chinatown in Southport's predominantly Korean area because it had a lot of Korean businesses. <laughs> oh, dear. So I, th I thought that was very... Um, that was very Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> they have a statue of Confucius right next to a row of Korean restaurants and karaoke parlors. <laughs> Perfect. Well done, Gold Coast. I love it. This is it. I see our dragon. Look, there he is. There he is. Look at Why that. do I feel like I've made a horrible mistake? Oh, <laughs> my friends, have you made a horrible mistake. Also, Abram this picture just isn't killing me with, with happiness. <laughs> Abramelin is backed into an alley, surrounded by a faint, shimmering shield of energy. You run to his side, throwing your most powerful, offensive hexes at the massed ranks of your enemy. All Abramelin's defences fail before the thundering volleys of the blind jackals, the shield winking out as he ducks a purple bolt of energy. He claps his hands together and pushes an orb of combusting air towards the bikers, smelling of ozone and petrichor. You dodge a conjured ice shard and return fire, the power shooting from your hands and catching a jackal high in the chest, blasting him into a statue of Confucius. I told you to go! Shrieks Abramelin, desperation in his eyes. There is far more riding on this than just one life. But you're determined. You can do this, you think. Your heart thuds in your chest, hands clenched at your sides. You open the book, scanning the pages for something that might help. But rune-carved bullets, spears of lightning and gouts of flame drive you back, tripping and slumping against the wall. The jackals surround you and Abramelin corralling you both in the alley. The shutter behind you rolls down, revealing a painting of a dragon. Abramelin catches your eye for a 
Burgers. I'm sorry. There's no other way. I told you to run. As the jackals move in, vicious expressions leering from wild, unruly beards and wraparound shades, Abramelon begins to chant, drawing a phenomenal power amount of energy out of the air and into his body. The concentration of power is suffocating, prickling your skin like a heavy jacket on a hot day. The dragon behind you begins to glow, then emerges from the shudder, growing incandescent. Too late you realize what he's done. One of Ackerman's power nodes is here in the alley, marked out with a painting. Abramelon has transferred his energy into the node, pouring everything he has into the site. That much power cannot be contained in one place for long. He has made a bomb, powered by magic. Perhaps some of the blind jackals are able to flee, those in the rear ranks of the warband, but you and Abramelon and the mages closest to you are enveloped by the dragon's fury, a blast of light and heat so intense that not even your shadows remain, just the fading echo of your lives bouncing along the corridors of eternity. The Book of the Sun is lost forever, as are you. R.I.P. to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry there. I, I did try to steer you towards the strange subliminal voice, although that may not have turned out well enough, like, let's be honest. Do we do we want to see what would happen if we'd headed towards the, the beach? I mean, like, I, I'm a fan of, of, uh, of what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, I quite liked it. Okay. All right. Well, luckily, I didn't uh, take us into the Chinatown alleyway, so I'm going to take us instead to Cafe Rockpool, where we have an And then we go out into this area. We'll see how far we can get in here because, oh, we've got a bird's eye view of the parklands here. Lovely. Look at this. Look at this. Beautiful. All right. And we can see the beach, or well, the water, at least, just over there. Okay. Cafe Rockpool. Let's do this. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Um, so I don't know if like, because there's, there's a bunch of like public art through here as well, isn't there, Benjamin? Like I'm pretty sure there's like, kind of like a light up posts that like make noises as you walk past them along this pathway here. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of cafes definitely in and around that area as well. I wonder if we can get onto the ground. I, uh, I thought it was really nice of, uh, of the Gold Coast to include something so clearly for uh, our local psychedelic community. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I want to see whether I can get us onto that, onto that. It's this, is it, it's this one here, right? Is that what those it's the are? It's the path across the, uh, across the lawn, yes. Yeah, let's see if we can get in there. Obviously, there's no street view here, but... So oh, you can't really, you can't, we can't get close to them, unfortunately. But these kind kind of like, them, yeah. So these are kind of like these little poles there, and the, the poles have all of these lights in them, um, and they flash and make noises. 
It's kind of an eerie synth wave sound. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. So, passing Cafe Rockpool. Let's uh, let's get ourselves a little closer to Cafe Rockpool. That's the fish shack. Is that Cafe Rockpool, or is it, or is it further down the Cafe Rockpool? Uh, I think that might might have been Cafe Rockpool back in the day. Yeah. Beautiful. Building's right. the same. Building's the same one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Or it, or it might, no, it might be the closer to the Broadwater where it's got the paddling pool and Ooh. play area. Oh, yeah. Very lovely. There's the paddling pool right there. Excellent. See, look at this. It's Look, look at ah, how sunny splendid. and delightful it is. It's just so, so um, very beachy. And this story um, is, uh, is so very moody. I love it. All right. <laughs> Passing Cafe Rockpool, you turn at the sound of running feet behind you. Abramelon, charred and with thin streams of smoke trailing off his clothing, rushes towards you, packing out flames from his coat. That was close. He says, falling into step beside you. We should be all right now. I gave him the slip near Australia Fair. Something is going on, you say. I can feel a presence, but I can't put my finger on it. I used a spell from the book to enhance my perception, and now I sense this this thing. I think it's coming from the water. Really? Asked Abramelin, surprised. We've only studied it. None of us had the guts to actually perform any of Ackerman's magic. It's just too dangerous. Before you can speak, a nauseating dizziness washes over you, and you lose your train of thought. You feel as though you are balanced atop a pole so tall it reaches halfway to the moon. Vertigo makes your knees weak, and you feel the presence of something incomprehensibly large, a mind so alien you cannot begin to understand it. Seagulls swoop and spiral above you, their cries muted and distant. Abramelin grabs your shoulder and jolts you from your thoughts. Look at that. Do you see? He points out at the water, steam is rising from a patch in the middle of the broad water where the sea is beginning to churn. He takes chalk from his pocket and sketches out an esoteric compass on the ground. The rough needle springs to life and glows bright gold. This should point out whoever is responsible for that. He murmurs, stepping back from the design. The needle makes a sluggish circuit, then spins out of control, whizzing like a propeller until it pops back out of existence. Hmm, that's strange, says Abermelon. Follow me. Maybe we'll have better luck this way. He pulls a circular brass device from his pocket and smiles at you with sheepish pride. This is a psychic barometer. One of my own innovations. Or we could go and ask the Gold Coast Oracle, I suppose. She's not too far. We'll have to walk the sacred path, though. You can't see her otherwise. Do you trust in the psychic barometer? Abramelin's gadgets have a... Spotty reputation, but he's capable of occasional genius. Besides, with your enhanced senses, you're sure to discover something. Or, do you go to the Gold Coast Oracle? If there was ever a time to consult a higher power, this is it. Someone has to know what's going on. Marie, this is all you. I don't know if you should trust me again. 
Like you are the only one who ha- who doesn't know how either of these these directions end. So you know. Look, if I was in the Gold Coast right now on the Gold Coast and I was walking this with a friend, I would pick the Gold Coast Oracle just because they sound cool. <laughs> Like they're probably awful, but it just sounds cool. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And like, you know, oracles are always a little bit, I feel like, you know, sassy and un- unknowable and they like to confuse people. And I, I always find that amusing whenever someone decides to go to an oracle, like it's a really like, you know, like the, that is, it's, it's going to, to definitely give you that definite answer. But more often than not, it just confuses the crap out of you. And I enjoy that. Also, like, I just, you know, what would a Gold Coast Oracle look like? Who would they be? <laughs> that is a good point. This is very beachy area, even though we're in a very moody story. It's, you know, sun, sand, bright air. I also would like to point out that we really should have trusted Abramelin because when we went to help him, we messed things up to the point that we both died. Whereas when we left him to his own devices, he managed to escape from um, the the enemies that were after him. So, you know, I, I do wonder whether like, maybe we should trust him. But then again, we wouldn't have known that. We wouldn't have known that uh, that uh, if we if we um, didn't trust him, that that we would have met our own device. So, like, this is kind of additional knowledge that we wouldn't have had if we had followed this path originally. All right. It does seem these gadgets have a spotty reputation? So you know, fifty-fifty. Uh, okay. All right. So um, our uh, Gold Coast Oracle is a bit of a hike. Sorry, everybody. Um, but you know what? It's worth it who we end up meeting, which is the uh, wonderful Gold Coast icons of, uh, uh, it's, it's Maddie and... Maddie and Mike. Mike, yes. All right, so that's the bouncing pillow. And Maddie and Mike are more south than that, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Look at that beautiful beach. Ooh, look at the fun bike. Yeah, they're past past that weird, weird pointless bike. track. Yeah. Did we go too far? Maybe. I, I I remember it being further away than I thought. I think it's yeah. it's almost parallel to Australia Fair. Here we go. There they are. Maybe we can get down here. Oh, they look decisively less grumpy here. Mm. Just because I haven't spoken to them yet. <laughs> That's right. Like you haven't had a chance to piss them off yet. Is that what you're saying, Maureen? <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Ken was going for. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, Maddie and Mike. 
Your body still tingles from the odd magical feel generated by the cleansing path. Oh, and we also got to go down the psychedelic um, LSD path as well that we were mm-hmm. trying to, to get along. So, you know, it all worked out in the end. Um, you feel purified and cold as if you've just stepped out of a hot shower into a walking freezer. Abramelin kept glancing across the water to where the sea had begun to heave and churn, a slick black island rising from the middle of the broad water. That can't be good, says Abramelin. Come on, it's not far. Um, the hill before you is a large statue of a young girl and a teddy bear. The girl staring dreamily across the water, her eyes shaded by a white sun hat. You can't be serious, you say. Hmm? Says Abramelin. Oh, quite serious. I know she looks young, but she's really very powerful. <sighs> Let's give it a shot then, you say. Oh, great oracle of the Gold Coast. We humble petitioners throw ourselves upon your mercy. Grant us your wisdom and tell us what the hell's going on with the Black Island in the water. Intones Abramelin, dropping to his knees and raising his arms in supplication. The statue grinds to life, tilting her head down and glaring at you and Abramelin. You want to take this, Marie? This is ridiculous. Are you responsible for this form? She asks in a surprisingly high-pitched voice. Well, my order is, I suppose, says Abramelin. Of all the things to buy me to, the statue of a little girl, I hate children. (laughs) The teddy bear beside her groans and stretches, flexing his arms and legs. Benjamin? It's true. She really does. He says. Uh, People use them too much leeway. Running around, climbing on things, chipping paint. They say, oh, give them a break, they're just kids. But as far as I'm concerned, being young is as undesirable a quality as being an idiot. No one says, oh, give them a break, they're just morons. Well said, miss. Says the teddy. Who are you two? You ask. Presently, I am Maddie, and he's Mike. Says Maddie, indicating her companion. I'm the Oracle, although I've been inhabited more... Although I've inhabited more dignified forms in past days. I don't mind, says Mike. Look, there's something going wrong. The veil which separates us from the spirit world is fraying. Things are bleeding through. What's going on? Us Abramelin. Oh, right, says Maddie. There's an old one waking up about 3,000 years too early, which is bad news all around. Mike cranes his head to look up at you. Yeah, bad news. He says. Abramelin goes rigid. An old one. He stammers. Here, now. Wait so, says Maddie. Luckily, one of you happens to be carrying an object of ancient power. Maybe you could do something with that. She inspects her fingernails and gives a little huffing sigh. All of you turn at the sound of a gigantic splash in time to see the old one's crab-like head reaching the surface, not an island at all. Now ebon eyes on short stalks rise up along with a mouth of grinding, whirling teeth 
claws and tentacles reaching towards the sky. Check the book! Check the book! Screeches Abramelin over the terrible noise. Better do as he says, mate. Says Mike in a bored tone. You flip through the pages, your palms damp with sweat. You don't have enough time, you, you can't concentrate. The old one wades through the water towards the pier, leaving a glistening trail of corruption in its wake, turning the water to a bubbly, oily stream behind it. Along the waterline, you see a pontoon shaped like a floating cowboy animate, sit up in the water, and wave at you. Oh, I think I know who that is, says Mike. You better see what he wants. It's probably important. Maddie snorts. Him? Why would you put any faith in nature spirits? Take your book and sort out that old one before it lays waste to everything you've ever known. Do you? Do as Maddie suggests and rush to the pier to confront the old one with a spell from the book. Or follow Mike's advice and sprint to the lagoon to see what this mysterious cowboy can do. Nature spirit or no, you need any help you can get. So, team, do we nature spirit it or do we go spitting spells? What's our thoughts? Honestly, I can't remember how we die. <laughs> mm. Look, I feel like we've been told that the book, people haven't really experimented with the spells and we still don't know what the weird voices are about. So maybe it is better to just not use the book and hope the cowboy nature spirit can help. But equally, a nature spirit could just be evil. It could just not like them. I mean, like, yeah, what, what have we really done to win nature's favour in the past few thousand years? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, but I'm also of the question, like, haven't over the past few thousand years we've ignored nature to our peril? So, like, I feel like maybe maybe it's it's you know maybe we should probably stop ignoring indigenous nature spirits <laughs> i i don't know if it's indigenous i feel that that, that might be complicated and appropriative i just I went generic on this you went generic on this you were like there's a cowboy out. i don't even know if we could find i wonder if there's a way that we can see the cowboy out in the water um, no uh, maybe if there's a drone shot maybe yeah because near the aqua park Mm. It's just, uh, it's within sight of Maddie and Mike in the water, but yeah. unless they've moved it because it was old and shit, but I mean, that seems to have kept it, <laughs> they've kept the rest of that stuff on the Gold Coast. Oh, sorry. Is there a, is there a language no. thing? I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, they, so there's the aqua park right there, but like, hmm, hmm, maybe. So I'm not. I'm not from the Gold Coast. Is there a literal cowboy in the water? Yeah, it's made yeah. out of, it's like a little netted in swimming area, but it's in the shape of a cowboy with made out of pontoons. It's really stupid. It's amazing. <laughs> I was going to see what would happen if I was like, cowboy pontoon in water, Southport? Me I mean, this, this is the Gold Coast. If you type cowboy anything in Gold Coast, it's probably just going to show you a lot of Tinder profile pictures. Oh, there he is. Look, look, look. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. There he is. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So he's our cowboy pontoon. 
All right, so so cowboy pontoon or using using the book of magic. I think Maureen, your vote was that the book of magic's a little bit too too dangerous. Well, so you've just shown me the cowboy pontoon. I have. Mm. Like, why would I not want to find out more about this cowboy pontoon? <laughs> I think you might have just justified its existence, Maureen. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. Isn't he beautiful? <laughs> I've, I've confused. Do people like swim off this thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is a netted. So this is a netted area. Why is it netted? Is it jellyfish or? Uh, jellyfish, sharks. It's the broad water, you know, on the Gold Coast. There's bull sharks in the canals and all buggering about. Yeah. I mean, right. shark nets tend to catch more of everything else, but yeah, don't stop them. Next time I go to the Gold Coast, I'm going to have to go to this country. <laughs> right, oh, hopefully okay. it's still there, right? So, um, oh. all right, so we're going to the lagoon then. Um, lagoon. Is that where we wanted to go? Yes, it is. Okay, excellent. Isn't he awesome? Man, it's like a lobster. Yeah. Of doom. It's well, it's like a Cthulhu, isn't it? Is that not what, what Cthulhu is I, supposed to kind of be? Well, Cthulhu's got the octopus head. I, I in my mind I was thinking of this guy as Crab Thulu. <laughs> Crab Thulu. <laughs> I mean, true, because he's got his like little pincers, he's got his little eye stalks, he's got the armor in the front there, like Oh man, I love I love what Ken did with this particular uh, creature here. All right, I've I've long felt that there just aren't enough crustacean monsters. Correct. My, my my first novel as a child was uh, illustrated and written by me, bound by me, staplers, A4 paper, you know, and uh, I was uh, it was derided by critics um, for reasons I couldn't understand at the time, uh, but my lavishly full color illustrated uh, horror novel, The Day the Prawn Attacked, um, seemed to spark more giggles than gasps. That is just so disappointing. I mean, this definitely does not spark giggles. This, this, this entices absolute terror in me. Just letting you know. Um, I've always so had a horror of frustrations. If you've ever looked at a prawn's head, it's got those black eyes, a horrible mandibular mouth, the long, cockroach-like antenna, like what a, a big fucker of those just lunging out of the water. That'd be awful. So I don't know if I'm opening myself up to future terror, but um, <laughs> my husband will tell you that I have a very irrational fear of crabs. So like when I was a kid, I just remember like walking down a beach in Queensland and I tell you, I swear that like just this swarm of like soldier crabs just like ran off. Right? I was chased down the beach by these crabs. And ever since then, I have had an absolute fear of crabs. Um, and they know. They know. Anytime I'm at a beach where there shouldn't be a crab there, right? Like, it's, it's a beach that doesn't have a high crab population. One scuttles across my, like, towel. Or it'll bite the bottom of my toe or it will just, it'll come after me. And like, rather than like seeing movement of people and scurrying off, like most crabs tend to do it, like puts up its little pincers and wants to fight. 
right? And so they can sense, they can sense my little crab fear. And um, there have been many occasions where my husband has taunted me with a crab that he's picked up and then got pinched on the finger for his troubles. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I can, yeah, nasty little I confess the, uh, the only time I've really been afraid of crabs was my mid 20s. No, 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 never. I will happily eat crab anything sticks, crab meat. They're getting what's coming to them. Just saying. All right, so <clears throat> the water normally so placid rushes up to meet the shore, tearing loose the protective netting around the artificial lagoon. Trees sway around you as an unnatural wind howls from the sea. The old one lumbers towards the shore, revealing its great crab-like head and grasping, clanking claws. Beneath the claws is a withering mass of lashing tentacles whipping around in a mad frenzy. You and Abramelin skid to a halt as pushed by the wild tidal action, the cowboy pontoon slides against the beach. The pontoon is sitting in the sand, bent at the waist and shaking its head. Made of foam and bleached by the sun, the cowboy looms over you like a giant, crusted with salt spray and wet sand. As the old one rears back and bellows, a sound that triggers a genetic memory of terror, deep unbridled fear from the dawn of time, the cowboy struggles to his feet. Well. It says in a rumbling baritone. This is a rough one. Who the hell are you? I am everything kissed by the sun, every wild splash in the ocean, every wave caught and every gnarly wipeout, says the cowboy, putting its faded foam hands on its hips. The spirit of endless summer, of hot rain and blue skies. I am the guardian of this place and I'm racked off about this bloody mess. Abramelin stares up at the cowboy, slack-jawed. The spirit of the Gold Coast? You ask. The genius loci, yes. Says the spirit. The skies begin to darken, reddening like spilt blood. But you're a pontoon, says Abramelin. Right now, sure. This isn't a time to be choosy about manifestation. Utility is king in a pinch. The statue frowns at Abramelin, then turns to you, and its foam expression softens. This is it. The great defining moment. They happen all the time, in all kinds of places. But this is the first for here, and the first for you. You have the book. You have the will. Now don't bugger it up. Climb on and do your duty. But, but what do I do? You ask. You'll know, says the cowboy laying back in the water. You really should read more. <laughs> you scramble atop the pontoon and it lays flat, paddling out to the water towards the old one. As the pontoon travels against the wild tide, water tainted with black foul sloshes over the cowboy and stains the foam. You flip desperately through the pages of the Book of the Sun. There, on the very last page, is an incantation to summon the sun itself. 
if you time it right, for just an instant, you can bring down the full fury of soul on the corrupt creature lurching out in the ocean. You close your eyes, feeling rather than reading, letting the magic flow through you. Your fingertips brush over the words and you speak them. Power sparking and crackling in the air around you. Above, against the red sky, the sun begins to blaze, white hot, larger and closer than ever before. You feel the heat against your face, a rush roaring in your ears, drowning out even the alien speech of the old one. Your own voice rises higher than the apocalyptic crescendo building around you. Your back arches with the strain. You raise your hands, letting the book fall into the ocean, and you pull down, dragging the sun from the sky, focusing the full force of its destructive power onto the slimy, armoured body of the old one like a child with a magnifying glass and a luckless ant on a bright day. There is a long, terrible shriek that rips through you, pain exploding in your ears and chest, and then blackness so complete it seems nothing has ever existed at all. You wake, alone and adrift, floating on the pontoon, now silent. Seagulls wheel overhead, careless against a blue cloudless sign. In the distance, you hear Abramelin calling from the shore. You can't make out what he's saying, but he sounds delighted. Hope he doesn't mind you lost the book. Beautiful. Love it. Love it so much. Um, there you go. We didn't die in this one. So, you know, we, 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 got, we got one bad ending, one good ending. It's great. And I learned about Cowboy Pontoon on the Gold Coast. <laughs> I'm proud of this. This is right. Right. Uh, as an educator, I'm thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, I really do hope it's still there because it's, it's, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. But um, actually, one thing that I was thinking about when we were in the Maddie and Mike section, uh, Benjamin, was when Maddie was waxing lyrical about how much she hated people who were young. That <laughs> I, I just, why don't you tell us what you really think? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, people tend to uh, care about uh, social convention less as they get older. And I figure, you know, an ageless oracle not bound to physical form probably has very little filter. <laughs> this is fair. Very true. Um, some of the other wonderful ways that uh, you, you could have gone include giant arachnids. Um, include uh, play equipment that turns into ferocious beasts, um, include um, the, the light rail in the area and a horned man, um, and, uh, and also um, includes the coming to life of several pieces of artwork around Southport um, as well. I don't, uh, I, I know we missed this kind of like whole storyline here but there's actually a whole storyline in this adventure when you come across an occult biker gang um which uh, uh the gold coast is known for having criminal biker you know motorcycle mob gangs um is that still the case um, I mean, uh, they're lower profile now. It's mostly uh, the relatively new phenomenon of uh, the Eshe, mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, just a lot of people with uh, improbable mullets and uh, fanny packs worn across the chest, having belt fights. I mean, scumport is still scumport, but <laughs> no, that's uh, that's uh, that's fair. So uh, there's actually a whole other like series of pathways that takes you across some really interesting street art in the area. Um, and some, some very weird and wonderful characters. So uh, if you're interested to see what other ways your adventure could go, please feel free to download the Story City app at about.storycity.app. If you turn on spoiler mode, um, you can tap through the different uh, uh, areas in the story to find out uh, different endings that you may or may not um, come across, or you can do it in person in the Gold Coast. Go down, check these, these places out in person. Uh, maybe Maureen, if you uh, have, a, have a new friend that you, you haven't met yet in person, um, you could propose a, a trip to a writer's festival on the Gold Coast and um, introduce them to the cowboy. A big shout out also to uh, to Jed Walters, who did the, the soundtrack for this. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, great character, really sweet, creative guy, incredibly humble and incredibly talented. And it really, it, it adds a lot while you're doing it. So that uh, big a, shout out to him. That is 100% true. Um, and Jed uh, actually has a music school on the Gold Coast now, Make Some Noise Music School. Um, if you are on the Gold Coast, definitely check that out. He does, um, you know, he's a great teacher. He does amazing music. Um, he also does a lot of really cool live shows with his band. Um, so we'll, we'll have all of that in the show notes as well for you to check him out, uh, for you to check Ken out, who was, who was the artist for this, uh, and for you to check the original narrator out, Kevin Powell, voiceover artist, who uh, does a much better job than I do at narrating this story. Um, so, so thank you to all those kind of original creators. Uh, they're all amazing, um, including yourself, Benjamin. This was so much fun. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was. It was. It's always painful to revisit old work, uh, especially like once it's live and in the world, because you know you're like, oh my god, look at that repetition in the same sentence, or uh, ah, what 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 clumsy phrasing, and um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was fun, and uh, I uh, had forgotten just about everything but crab thulu occult bikers and uh weird chimeric horrible little mutant playground equipment <laughs> so yeah that was uh, it was wonderful it was so it was nice it was lovely to see maureen you you go through that and uh the choices you made and the reactions you had it was lovely um, uh, so uh benjamin where can people find you online if you want them to find you um, I mean, I, I don't have much of a, of an online presence. I, I've got a, um, blades in the dark, uh, role-playing game hack on, uh, itch, um, called Fiat Knox, where, where play, uh, with, uh, illustrated by a friend of mine, the, um, incomparable Owlington, um, who, uh, about, uh, the crew is, uh, uh, a legion of demons attempting to secure their own um, material existence in a hostile universe where entropy strips away all of their agency. Um, so that's quite fun. I, I sort of wrote it as a creative challenge to myself because I've always wondered in possession movies, what is the benefit to the demon? Why do they want to possess these people for 
apparently no end. And so I, I sort of set out with that question in mind and built a game around it. Awesome. Uh, using, um, and other than that, I, I occasionally have hot takes on Twitter that go criminally underappreciated, where I'm at Benjamin underscore Dahls, uh, which is a holdover from my old um, dating blog from Melbourne, where uh, a Tinder date and I, who turned into friends, would meet up every Monday, cook each other a variation of a lentil dal, and exchange horrible stories about our terrible love lives. That is amazing. Is this blog still live? Uh, it's no longer live. Uh, everything went wrong in both our lives and we are no oh. longer speaking. But uh, it's still up there. Uh, dolls and dolls, uh, as in the uh, colloquial form of darling, uh, used by the odious, and uh, a lentil dish. But yeah, that's up there somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, Benjamin. I really appreciate it. And Maureen, where can people find out more about you online? Sure. So I have a website at uh, maureenflynnauthor.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is also Maureen Flynn Author. And I also have Twitter, though, you know, it's kind of like, what is Twitter these days? Should I even be there? But for now, I have Twitter. Um, and that is also my old Twitter handle. So it is at Ink Ashling. So I-N-K-A-S-H-L-I-N-G. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Maureen, for stepping into the co-host shoes. I appreciate you and for being the uh, the person who, who has no idea where this story is going. I appreciate you stepping out there and making all of the bold choices that led to our ultimate demises or successes. Um, so as always, we do this weekly. Um, so next week we will be speaking on a Friday night in North America, Saturday afternoon in Australia with Rebecca Dawson. Uh, we will be doing a story called The Agency where we take over our first top secret extraterrestrial mission as an agent uh, to figure out what is going on in the small country town of Barmer in South Australia. So that will be next week, next Friday or Saturday if you're in Australia. Um, with Rebecca Dawson and as always um, to be a creator on Story City is completely free um, all you have to do is sign up for an account at storycity.app and until next week I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week